Football, the football segment of the Fantasy Fanatics podcast. I'll be your host once again, James, and I'm joined by Nate, Mete, and Terry. What's up, guys? So, how's it going? All right. In today's episode, uh, we're just going to talk about uh, some news from around the NFL um, to start, and then uh, we'll hop into uh, an actually uh, interesting portion of the podcast where we'll just talk about uh, strength of schedule for uh, some fantasy. Uh, positions for football and we'll also talk about players heading into their contract years so uh, let's just hop right into it Uh, we'll talk about the most uh, important uh, piece of news this week Uh, and it was revealed that uh, Julio Jones uh, is most likely to be traded from the Atlanta Falcons and he sort of narrowed down um, his choices of where he wants to go to two teams uh, the New England Patriots and the Tennessee Titans so Uh, I'm just going to get to each one of you. Um, Terry, I'm going to start with you, I guess, in terms of fantasy uh, production, and I guess just an overall fit, uh, which of the two teams would you see as the best choice for Julio Jones? If you're looking for fantasy production, go with the Titans. I mean, yes, they do have AJ Brown, but then he has mentioned on IG or Twitter saying, oh, you can be wide out one on this team. But if you're looking for a more fit um, outside of fantasy production, you got to go with the Patriots. I mean, Julio Jones is getting up there in age. He isn't young anymore as a wide receiver. Uh, I feel like he's a better fit with Bill Belichick, but if you're praying fantasy-wise, go with the Titans all the way. All right. Um, I definitely like what you had to say there. You covered uh, potential fits for both teams. And, Nate, I'll just get to you. Um, what do you think about uh, – which Julio Jones landing spot would be the best? Um, I was kind of feeling the Patriots mostly because I think Cam Newton's going to be a lot better this year. He had COVID last year, so he wasn't at a hundred percent. So um, if Cam is fully healthy, then I guess Julio might have a really good season on the Patriots. All right. I can definitely uh, see where you're coming from there. Um, Mete, just getting to you. Um, yeah, I guess in terms of fantasy production or in just overall uh, the fit, uh, where do you see as the best spot for Julio Jones? For fantasy, I'd say Titans as well. The main concern for me with the Patriots is that you don't know who's going to be at quarterback for them. So if Newton starts off bad, like last year, he's going to get pulled probably for Matt Jones. And with rookie quarterbacks, you never know how they'll do. So I think... Tennessee is the better fit fantasy-wise for him. Yeah, um, I'm just going to defend the Patriots because you guys know how I am. Uh, Being a Patriots fan and all, I'm going to defend why New England is the best fit for Julio Jones. I'm going to start off by saying uh, the moment Julio Jones goes there, he becomes the wide receiver one on this team. Uh, You saw the way the Patriots were when they didn't have Julian Edelman last year. Jacoby Myers was fantasy relevant, and he was clipping about 10 to 12 points in a half-point PPR. Uh, If you throw Julio Jones in there, he goes to around 16 fantasy points per game, according to my projection. Uh, I mean, this guy, uh, he's already like what, uh, barely a top 12 wide receiver in most rankings heading into this next season you know, uh, with Calvin Ridley uh, in Atlanta, but he goes to New England. He's the undoubted uh, wide receiver one there. He's getting all the prime targets. Um, We know how much uh, chemistry Cam Newton had with Jacoby Myers last year. Julio has expressed the interest uh, in playing with Cam Newton. So I think that'll be uh, one of the reasons for it being a good fit. Um, I guess another reason um, would just be that, uh, you know, he's got two tight ends around him, solid tight ends, in fact, with John Smith and Hunter Henry. So um, if they uh, put double coverage on him in the red zone, then those tight ends are going to be wide open for looks. So the coverage is going to have to be more spread out. He's going to get a lot of open looks in the end zone. Um, I know people have been uh, complaining about his touchdown production in recent years. I definitely think that it could increase. And I, I guess just making a case for him uh, against going to Tennessee – um, I know uh, one of you guys said that, oh, A.J. Brown wants him to be the number one receiver. But, I mean, A.J. Brown's a younger guy. Um, 
they definitely want to build him up to be their top wide receiver. So I, f- I feel like it's just another Julio Jones, Calvin Ridley situation all over again. Um, it, it's just like, uh, how would he react to going to Tennessee versus New England? I feel like he'd be a little bit more appreciated in New England just because he would be the guy. So I guess just looking from his uh, personal perspective as well and my fan perspective uh, to sort of cap that off. Yeah, I would definitely love to see Julio Jones in New England. So um, I guess, Terry, any last thoughts on, on this whole Julio Jones thing? And I respect your uh, opinion as a fan of the Patriots and all, but um, how should I even put this? You don't know like if all those signings for the Patriots are going to be a great combination. I mean, we all assumed last year that Cam Newton would have been the guy to bring the Patriots back into the playoffs. And I mean, look what happened last year. Don't get me wrong. Cam Newton's a great quarterback and I feel like he's going to have a bounce back here, but then, with the speculation of who's going to be the quarterback down in New England, I feel like that might take away from Julio's targets. And we've seen Cam Newton's accuracy go down a little bit as we speak from last year. Yeah, um, I definitely see where you're coming from. Uh, Nate, I know you made the point that uh, Cam Newton, uh, he was really having a great year. He was playing uh, close to a uh, like a top five uh, fantasy quarterback level uh, until he got COVID and then he sort of tailed off from there. Uh, do you think that um, if Julio Jones comes to New England, then Cam Newton can definitely get back to the form he had at the beginning of last season? I mean, I feel like he should be able to. I mean, Cam Newton's still a really talented quarterback and I know he runs the fo- football a lot, but I don't think he's going to be under as much pressure to do so especially if Julio is on the team, he'd be able to throw more. Yeah, uh, for sure. I think that uh, Cam Newton, as well as the offensive coordinator, Josh McDaniels might shift the offense a little bit, uh, having a talented pass catcher like Julio Jones. And then we mentioned the tight ends and then you got a, they got a couple other receivers in free agency as well. Uh, Mete, just getting to you for uh, some last comments. Uh, I guess my question for you would be, uh, if he goes to Tennessee, do you think Ryan Tannehill can support him fantasy-wise just as well as Matt Ryan has done over the years? Um, I think there would be a slight drop-off because Matt Ryan's better quarterback than Ryan Tannehill for sure. Um, The only thing is Tannehill usually, like, they don't want him throwing too much because they have Derrick Henry, right? Uh, so I'm thinking maybe with the addition of Julio Jones, they start throwing more. So I still think he can definitely be like a top three wide receiver in fantasy, but I don't think he'd be putting up the numbers he was in Atlanta. Yeah, I mean, uh, their offensive coordinator, Arthur Smith, did go to Atlanta to become their head coach. So they'll be bringing in a new coordinator this year. So that could potentially change the offense. I guess like what you said, maybe they might pass a little bit more. So I guess that'll be definitely interesting to see uh, where Julio Jones ends up. He'll probably be, um, I guess, in whichever team uh, gives the, the proper draft capital. Um, that's Atlanta's best interest. Uh, that's where they'll move to with the trade. But um, just moving on from news and into our segment, um, we're just going to start off with talking about, um, I guess, a fantasy player from each position um, uh, of players that are heading into a contract year. Um, so, Nate, I'm going to start with you on this. Uh, give us your quarterback uh, that you feel like um, it, or, or that you know was heading into a contract year, but you and how, how do you think that it'll affect them going into the fantasy season? Um, I think I believe that uh, Ben Roethlisberger is on a contract year. Um, most likely Pittsburgh's going to do whatever they can to kind of keep him on the Steelers. Um, but he is good enough to start on any team in the league, and I think he's still potentially healthy enough to play into his 40s uh we've seen uh tom brady he's like in his mid 40s i believe and he's still playing at a very high level so ben roethlisberger has the potential to do that if you protect him properly so i think um whether or not ben will want to stay on the steelers is kind of dependent on the amount of protection that he gets because 
if he plans to kind of stay in the NFL till I guess like around Tom Brady's age, he's not going to be wanting to take the hits that he took in his younger years. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think Roethlisberger is just going to be on one year contracts going forward. So um, going into next season, he'll just be deciding whether he wants to resign for another year with Pittsburgh. So um, definitely uh, something to look out for heading into your fantasy season. And uh, Mate, let me get to you on your quarterback that's uh, sort of uh, on a contract year. The quarterback I went with was Jameis Winston. Um, I picked him because I honestly think he's a really good quarterback. He just has the turnover issue. Um, the last year he was a starter in 2019, he put up 5,109 yards. And then we know what he did with the touchdowns and interceptions. He had the first 30-30 season, 33 touchdowns to 30 interceptions. Like I said, I really believe in him. Uh, I think he just needs to stop turning the ball over. And I think Sean Payton can help him do that. And also a year behind Drew Brees, I think will do him justice. Yeah, for sure. Um, I guess it's just going to be dependent on whether uh, they go with Jameis Winston or they stick with Taysom Hill. Do you think that they should go to Jameis Winston to start the season? Yeah, I think they should. Um, Taysom Hill's not really a proven starter, and Winston's been start a starter for five seasons. And, yeah, I really like Winston. He just needs to stop turning the ball over. That's it. Yeah, for sure. And uh, Terry, getting to you, uh, which quarterback do you have on your radar for contract year? This honestly goes against what I just said in the previous um, segment, but it got to be Cam Newton. I mean, uh, we all know what was the story from last year uh, when it comes to this. Cam was supposed to be coming in and he was supposed to be the guy to replace Tom Brady. But having said that, um, I feel like the organization did let him down when it came to uh, the responsibility on his shoulders. I mean, as you said, uh, who was it, Myers, that was fantasy relevant last year? Yeah. So having said that, I mean, uh, a lot of people were disappointed in Cam, even though I feel like the organization did have a problem or did have a hand in that. And this offseason just proved that they're going to do as much as they can to give Cam another chance um, to lead the offense. Kendrick Bourne was just signed uh as you said earlier, the two tight ends, Hunter Henry and John Smith. And hopefully uh, the running backs are able to get some pressure off of Newton as well. Yeah, for sure. I guess uh, him signing multiple one-year deals um, is sort of, they're all prove-it contracts. Uh, they, I guess they felt like they didn't see enough from him with COVID and everything. So they signed him to another prove-it deal. If things don't work out, at least they have Mac Jones to fall back on but yeah definitely something to look out for um and then for the quarterback i have in a contract here i put lamar jackson just because they're working on an extension for him this year so there'll be a lot of pressure on him to perform i know last year people were hating on him a lot because he wasn't producing at the mvp level of 2019 but i mean in terms of fantasy production uh, he was in the top 10 for uh, quarterback production so i mean um you can't really hate on him for that I mean, the guy went over a thousand rushing yards again, uh, almost three thousand passing yards. I mean, like this guy, he just puts up fantasy numbers, no question about it. I believe he missed at least one or two games because of the whole team COVID situation as well. Um, plus that whole game where he, uh, whether he got injured or what happened in the middle of the game, I believe that was the Browns game. Um, yeah, so there was that whole situation. So I believe he played about fourteen and a half games total. Um, if not less than that. So uh, definitely room for improvement for Lamar Jackson. And I mean, he's got the rushing floor. So if he really pushes himself in this contract here, I believe that he's uh, definitely going to be uh, a top 10, if not top five uh, fantasy quarterback heading into uh, this season. And um, just getting back to you, Nate, on a running back that's heading into a contract here. Uh, I believe that Leonard Fournette is going to be on a contract here. Um Right now, I believe that his con his uh, contract is like $3 million, which I think is a steal for how good Fournette is. He's good enough to be a starter on pretty much any team. So um, depending on, I guess, Tampa's cap situation, they might have to pay more. So 
they're probably going to have to kind of figure something out to try to, I guess, keep Fournette happy contract-wise. Yeah, for sure. Um, he signed a one-year prove-it deal after that whole Super Bowl run, and I guess uh, if he can lock down the starter role there in Tampa, then I think that um, he's definitely going to be a big part of their future. And then I guess for fantasy, we just got to sort of monitor that, but also keep in the back of our head that Ronald Jones is also still there. So not to overvalue Fournette. Um, and then um, I guess Mete uh, getting to you uh, on a running back that you have heading into a contract year. Uh, I have Ronald Jones. Like you were saying, we can't forget about him. Um, last year, he only needed 192 rush attempts to get 978 yards. So he was very close to a thousand yards, uh, seven rush touchdowns, 28 receptions to 165 reception yards and one touchdown there. Um, the only concern with him is during the playoff run, they started leaning uh, towards Fournette and I'm hoping that they'll split the backfield duties because nowadays in the NFL, you'll see a lot of uh, committees instead of just one uh, workload, uh, workhorse running back. Yeah, for sure. I think if that team's putting up 35 plus points every game, uh, I think there shouldn't be an issue um, with them being able to support two running backs. I know if they're down in the game, they will go to Fournette more as he was more of the third down kind of guy. And then they put Ronald Jones on the early down. So, I mean, if they are up in a game, they will probably have a tendency to lean into Ronald Jones. Uh, so I guess uh, if you're a Ronald Jones owner, just really hope that Tampa Bay is going to be a premier team in the league this year. And then he should be pretty fantasy relevant. And then Terry getting to you, uh, who do you have for your running back on a contract year? Uh, for running back on contract year, I got to go with Melvin Gordon III. As we all know, the running back position is one of the younger positions in football. And having said that, MG3 is basically going to turn into one of those senior citizens for the position eventually. Um, as I said earlier, he's going to go into the contract year determined to lock up one more long-term contract for his 30s for whatever team that may be. And, I mean, based on last year, uh, Melvin Gordon could have easily broke 1,000 yards, but he had Philip Lindsay taking some of his reps away uh, last year due to the start of the year because they wanted that committee. Um, for Melvin to get that last contract though, he has to fend off a lot of young guys um, in this Broncos running back camp. I believe they drafted Javante Williams in the second round from this draft and then they picked up free agent Mike Boone. And they also have Royce Freeman that has been on the team for how, Lord knows how long. Yeah, I know um, he also has, I believe, the whole DUI situation from last year still hasn't been resolved. So that could be another uh, roadblock in his uh, sort of uh, road to getting a new contract. So that's definitely something to watch out for. Uh, whether he misses games, I guess that could be a path for Javante Williams to sort of get some reps early in the season. Um, just looking at a running back I have uh, heading into a contract here, and that's Saquon Barkley. I know um, if they take his fifth-year option, he won't become a free agent until two years from now, but they are working on an extension for him for the 2022 season. Uh, so he's definitely going to be playing for a contract. He's been banged up the last two or three seasons. Uh, he definitely needs to have the best year of his career this year. So um, if you're really high on Saquon Barkley, you can also just keep that in mind that he is playing for a long-term extension because I, if he's injured again this year, the Giants, uh, they might not look to move on from him, but uh, they might not give him the deal that he wants. And then there could be some sort of tension there. So uh, I think that um, he's, if he's healthy, he's primed for a big breakout this year. And then Nate, uh, heading back to you, uh, who's a wide receiver that you have that's sort of in a contract here and how do you expect them to perform for fantasy? Uh, I believe that Devontae Adams uh, for the Green Bay Packers is also on a contract year. Um, he is one of Green Bay's best wide receivers, if not the best wide receiver on that team. Um, but I think that him staying is kind of dependent on Aaron Rodgers staying. I feel like if Aaron Rodgers decides that he kind of wants to part ways with Green Bay, there's not really too much of a reason for Adams to stay as well, unless he really believes in the new guy. But I'm not really too sure how much he believes um, 
in the rookie quarterback, but I guess we'll have to see. Yeah, I mean, both him and Aaron Rodgers were missing from OTAs, so um, it's unclear how they feel about this whole uh, team situation. So I guess we'll have to see heading into the season, uh, I guess, whether uh, both Rodgers and Adams are willing to stay. And Amete, uh, just getting to you, which were wide receivers on your radar for a contract here? So for my wide receiver, I went with a Buccaneer again. I have Chris Godwin. Um, last year, his stats were 65 catches for 840 yards and seven touchdowns. I know a lot of people will be saying, oh, the Buccaneers have a lot of targets. So why are you picking him? But the way I look at it is you're going to be focused on guys like Evans, Gronk, Fournette, even Ronald Jones, and then it's going to be leaving guys like Godwin, even like Scotty Miller open. So, and when you have a veteran quarterback like Brady, he won't be forcing the ball to Mike Evans just because he's the number one. As long as Godwin's getting open, he'll find him. Yeah, for sure. And um, Terry, just getting to you, um, which wide receiver are you looking at that's in a contract year? I was looking at first DJ Moore. Then I realized he had that fifth-year option. So the Panthers most likely are going to claim that before they decide to negotiate. And so the second one I thought of was probably Robbie Anderson. I mean, uh, how should I put this? Anderson's probably like a top 15 wideout when it comes to receiving yards. And then uh, he has more receiving yards respectfully than guys like Chris Godwin, Mike Evans, and Adam Thielen. So having said that, I mean, he's going to take it to negotiations and be like, listen, if I'm doing this more than some of the top guys in the league, I mean, pay me top money. Yeah, for sure. I think he'll definitely need to have a, a, I guess, to receive a big year from Sam Darnold if he wants to sort of pad his stats heading into this contract situation. Both him and DJ Moore, if they're looking for long-term extensions, they definitely need Sam Darnold to step up for them. And I guess for me, I have Allen Robinson. I know that they put him on the franchise tag, I believe, heading into this season. He did not sign an extension, so he'll be looking to do that this summer. Um, all his career, he's played with a low to mediocre level quarterback play. Uh, Blake Bortles, Nick Foles, Mitch Trubisky are examples of that. And this guy's put up solid numbers. Last year, he was the wide receiver 12, so a low wide receiver one level numbers. I mean, this guy put up a total of 200 and uh, almost 212 fantasy points. Uh, I mean, he had uh, a 125, uh, sorry, uh, 1,200 uh, fantasy uh, receiving yards. And uh, I mean, uh, this guy, he consistently puts up uh, yardage. I mean, he had 1,500 yards in that season with Blake Bortles. Um, I mean, he's the kind of big bodied wide receiver that any team wants. Um, so I think heading into drafts this year, uh, if you're stuck on whether to take Robinson or another player, you might want to lean towards taking Allen Robinson because he, like I said, he can perform with any uh, quarterback. And I mean, he's a big bodied receiver. He's the number one receiver in Chicago. And I mean, he has a history of wide receiver one production. So definitely uh, take a look at him in this contract year. And um, Nate, getting to you for the last uh, round of uh, contract players, uh, your tight end in a contract year. Um, I guess for tight ends, I put um, David uh, Njoku. Um, I believe he is a starting caliber uh, tight end, and having a starter starting caliber tight end on the the Browns gives you a lot of depth at that position, which I think is very important because tight end, good tight ends are kind of hard to come by nowadays. But I think his contract is also $9 million. I mean, the Browns don't have the worst cap situation in the world, but at the same time, if your tight end knows that he could start on any other team that he wanted to, it's going to be kind of hard to justify um, lowballing him when he could leave. I mean, the Browns also have Austin Hooper, but... Um, like, why not have more depth at tight end if you can? Yeah, I mean, look at teams like the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You got Gronk, Bray, and O.J. Howard. So, I mean, yeah, depth is always key. It's just keeping everyone under the salary cap is the main issue. And I guess getting to you, Mete, who do you have at tight end for a contract year? 
my tight end I have for a contract here is Dallas Goddard. If you notice something, um, I'm really high on this guy. I think I had him as a as my fifth tight end in our last tight end rankings video. Um, yeah, I'm really high on him because I watch a lot of NFC East games and Goddard, whenever he's playing Dallas, he, he's making big plays. Last year, he didn't have the greatest numbers, 46 receptions for 524 yards and three touchdowns. But with the departure, I guess, of Zach Ertz, I'm saying I guess because we don't know if he's leaving yet, but it looks like he will. He should be TE1 for the Eagles, and he has a favorable schedule. They have the easiest schedule, I think, this year. Yeah, for sure. I think he only played 11 games as well, and he was nicked up for a couple of them. So um, that probably affected his stats as well. So he is also definitely in my top 12 tight ends heading into the year. And uh, Terry, just getting to you, who do you have at tight end for contract year? Contract year, I think I believe I have Mark Andrews. Um, Mark Andrews respectfully became probably one of the top five options at tight end in the NFL for the past couple of years. Having said that, it's time for the Ravens to pay Mark Andrews uh, as a top five tight end. As we all know, he's top 10 in targets and top 10 in receptions when it comes to tight ends. And I believe he's probably top five in receiving yards along with touchdowns as well. Yeah, for sure. Um, he's definitely a solid option, um, easily a top five tight end in the league for both. I guess, fantasy and just um, relevance in the league. But um, I'm going to go with Mike Gesicki heading into a contract here. Uh, he finished as the seventh tight end uh, in fantasy last season. Um, in And I'm going by half point PPR. He was just really solid. You also have to take into account that he did that uh, on the back of both Tua and Ryan Fitzpatrick. And Fitzpatrick is now gone to the Washington football team. So um, I know Gesicki's heading into a contract here, so um, most people would say that that's a benefit for him, but uh, you also have to take into account that the wide receiver depth has gotten better heading into next season for the Dolphins. Not only do they have Devontae Parker, but they also drafted Jalen Waddle sixth overall. I mean, they're comparing him to Tyree Kill, so he's going to be getting a lot of looks there. Um, and then they also brought in Will Fuller. I know he will miss game one because of his suspension, but for the rest of the season, Fuller is going to be there barring some type of injury. So um, Tua is really going to have to spread the ball. I don't know how much Kasiki is going to get the ball. So uh, normally I would say uh, a contract year should boost a player, but I'm not really 100% sure uh, when it comes to Mike Kasiki. So, all right, guys, let's just get to some uh, fantasy players uh, with a good uh, schedule for this year. Um, Terry, I'll just start with you. Um, who's a quarterback that you have that really has a favorable schedule? Uh, first guy I think of is probably Carson Wentz. I mean, uh, everyone's probably going to be doubting him just because of his last year in Philly. And I feel like the transition into Indianapolis is going to be a more easier one just due to the fact that they have an excellent offensive line. And let's not forget they have Jonathan Taylor at running back who could easily be the bell cow if needed. And in the past couple of years, uh, Indianapolis just built up a tremendous defense. Only thing you can probably critique this uh, team upon is probably their wideout depth with um, aging T.Y. and then you have Pascal. But aside from that, I feel like Carson Wentz is going to uh, have a great year as a fantasy-relevant quarterback. Yeah, for sure. I think, um, uh, you know, uh, Michael Pittman and – uh, Paris Campbell might break out as well, you know, being young receivers. So hopefully that'll work out for Carson Wentz as well. And I guess, Mete, getting to you, who's the quarterback that you have with a favorable schedule? My quarterback I have with the favorable schedule is Dak Prescott. He's got the second easiest schedule. Um, yeah, I'm hoping he's going to have a big year. Uh, you know what he was doing last year? He was uh, putting up insane numbers. He was on pace to break. Peyton Manning's passing yards record in a season, and due to his injury, he didn't get to do that. So I'm hoping this season he's going to be there for the whole year. And with his weapons, uh, Gallup, Cooper, Lamb, and Jarvin, he's got plenty of weapons to do it. So, yep. 
Yeah, for sure. I think Dak Prescott's in a great position. I know that uh, he was leading all quarterbacks in points per game for fantasy before going down with the injury. And uh, he should be able to rebound because uh, he has been a pretty steady top five fantasy quarterback every season. So, Nate, just getting to you, which quarterback do you have with a favorable schedule? Um, I mean, I decided to put Tom Brady as a quarterback with a favorable schedule. Um, I mean, there isn't really too much to say. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers are one of the best teams in the NFL, and they have one of the easiest schedules in the entire league. In my position, in my opinion, this might be like kind of like an oversight by the NFL giving the Buccaneers such an easy schedule, but... I mean, Tom Brady's probably going to have a really good year this season. Yeah, I can definitely agree with that. He seems very determined. He wants to try and get a perfect season this coming year. So, uh, I mean, giving the defending Super Bowl champions like a top 10 easy schedule is like pretty crazy to me. I think that just the way things have worked out, Tampa Bay should have a very excellent record heading into uh, this season. And um, I guess for the quarterback that I have with a good schedule, I have Tua Tagovailoa, and I think that um, he sort of, uh, we started to see a little bit from him last season. It wasn't a lot. Obviously, there was the whole drama with Fitzpatrick, but uh, now he's the for sure starter for the Dolphins. And I mean, they have a, a very favorable schedule. I mean, they have some excellent uh, defenses that they can prey on uh, this season. Uh, teams like the Raiders, the Jaguars, the Texans. I mean, they, they have the Jets. Uh, you know, uh, I mean, you, have, you get the Jets twice. I know the Titans passing defense wasn't that great either. Saints are going to be shorthanded on their passing defense this year. I mean, uh, there's no reason why Tua Tagovailoa can't break out this year in fantasy. So I think if you're looking for a quarterback, maybe outside that QB1 range that might have a chance to sort of take the next step, I think Tua would be a great guy to look at heading into this season. And um, just getting back to you, Terry, uh, what's a running back that you have with a very favorable schedule? I feel like the running back that I have might not be the first name that comes to mind, but it's Mike Davis that's in Atlanta right now. Um, and his minimum time is like the bell cow of the Carolina running backs. Davis probably had over a thousand yards overall, probably around 600 rushing and then maybe like 350 at least receiving. Um, having said that, this was him being the third option in this Carolina offense behind DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson during Christian McCaffrey's injury. With Davis on Atlanta now, yes, he becomes a third or fourth option. But within the running backs in Atlanta, there's a lot of undesirables when it comes to the critics. Um, with Tony Brooks, James, and Javon Hawkins, they're both considered undersized. And with Kadaris Olinson, I believe his name is, um, some people may not look to him as a person that you can rely on. And having said that, Atlanta is in a rebuild, so you can expect Mike Davis to handle some uh, rushing opportunities in the fourth quarter to help bolster his fantasy production. Yeah, I mean, that, that's a good point there, that they really don't have much running back depth there in Atlanta. And I mean, even Todd Gurley last season was a borderline RB2, so we should expect the same at least from Mike Davis if not uh, even better than that and uh, Mete just getting to you uh, what's a running back you have with a very favorable schedule my running back I picked was Miles Sanders uh, he's got the easiest schedule and last year he had 164 rushes for 160, 867 rush yards and six touchdowns I picked him because I feel like um, with Philadelphia going with Jalen Hurts as their starter, I feel like they're going to be running the ball more since um, teams with young quarterbacks like to run more. And I feel like they could throw to him and he could have a great year. Yeah, for sure. And I believe um, with that yardage total, he only played 12 games last season. So I believe he would have been over 1,000. Uh, if he did play over a full season. So Miles Sanders did have a good year last year. I know he did break out near the end with Jalen Hurts. So I think with a very favorable schedule this year, you can definitely do some damage uh, in fantasy. And um, Nate, just getting to you, uh, who's a running back you have with a very favorable schedule? 
Um, I think Christian McCaffrey has a very favorable schedule. Um, he was already projected to be a top five running back in the league, at least in terms of fantasy, if not just general NFL. And the Panthers, they traded Teddy Bridgewater for Sam Darnold, who I think he's pretty good and he should be able to complement McCaffrey pretty well. And the Panthers just have a very favorable schedule in general. So I think McCaffrey's going to have a really good season. Yeah, I mean, uh, definitely Sam Darnold being there. We don't know how he's going to project, but I mean, Christian McCaffrey's that guy, you know, he can take a lot of check downs and he can turn it into big yardage. You can turn it into touchdowns. You can pretty much do everything. So honestly, a favorable schedule is just a cherry on top at this point. We already know McCaffrey can produce no matter which team he's up against. So I guess definitely more incentive to take him uh, with the first pick in the first round. And a running back I have with a pretty favorable schedule is Alvin Kamara. I know this will definitely be dependent on um, the offensive system that they run this year as they'll have a new starting quarterback, whether it's Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston. Um, Some people think that uh, Taysom Hill will be better for him because there'll be a lot more check downs and for and and work for him and then others say that uh, Winston will sort of open up the offense more just to give Kamara uh, more rushing opportunities so I guess with multiple ways to look at it um, and adding the favorable schedule into the mix there I think that you can't go wrong with Alvin Kamara this year um, and I know there were a lot of other circumstances that led to his non-production uh, for parts of last year, but uh, I really think that uh, a lot of people are sleeping on Alvin Kamara, and I think he should be a good pick this year. And I'm um, getting to wide receivers now with good schedules. Terry, uh, who do you have there? Uh, it's probably the best guy that you could pick up if it's a wide receiver. I got to go with Stefan Diggs. Yes, they have the 10th easiest schedule in the NFL for the upcoming year, but Diggs was on top of the wide receiver landscape with targets, reps, yards, and he was probably tied around like maybe, I want to say probably 10, 11, 12 with touchdowns. Uh, having said that, I feel like Diggs is going to have another excellent season. Yeah, I mean, being Josh Allen's number one target, uh, nothing to sleep on. He should easily be a top five wide receiver with sim- a similar target share next year. Um, he's just been producing at an elite level. Um, and then he, he really just went over the top last year in Buffalo. So, uh, Mete, who do you have at wide receiver for a good schedule? Wide receiver I went with was Russell Gage. Um, a very young player last season. He has 72 receptions for 786 yards and four touchdowns. He's got the third easiest schedule. And I feel like with Julio probably leaving, um, it's just going to open up more looks for him. And he plays with us. Very good quarterback in Matt Ryan, so that works in his favor as well. Um, and he, I even saw him throw a couple of times last season. I know for sure he threw a pass against the Cowboys, and Julio dropped it in the end zone. He should have caught it, and I feel like he threw a touchdown pass, uh, but I can't remember. Yeah, I think he did attempt uh, touchdowns multiple times uh, in terms of passing, but um, yeah, definitely Russell Gage would become the wide receiver too in that offense um, and potentially the second or third target there, depending on how well Kyle Pitts plays going forward. So definitely uh, a player that you can really take a look at for fantasy. And uh, Nate, just getting to you, who do you have at, for a good schedule at wide receiver? Um, for a wide receiver, I decided to go with Devontae Parker. Um, Miami in general is just a really solid team. They're solid this year and I think they're even better this year because of their draft. They drafted pretty well. Uh, Their matchup schedule is pretty favorable in general. And I think if Tua has a good year, then Parker is going to have a really good year for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, Anyone in that Miami offense uh, will benefit, uh, assuming Tua takes that next step forward. And uh, for wide receivers, um, I went a similar route as Mete. I took Calvin Ridley from the Atlanta Falcons. And I think just in general, if Julio Jones leaves with the favorable schedule Atlanta has, it's just going to open up more targets for uh, the other receivers, Calvin Ridley, Russell Gage, Kyle Pitts, Hayden Hurst, everyone else there in that offense. It's going to be more targets available. We know how much they like to throw the ball. Um, so I, I really think that Calvin Ridley 
um, just the favorable schedule. And if, if Julio is not there, I mean, we saw what happened last year with Julio being banged up most of the year. Calvin Ridley was pretty much like a top five wide receiver. Uh, he played really well. So uh, yeah, um, assuming uh, Ridley's healthy, uh, he definitely should be someone that benefits from his schedule. And uh, just getting to tight ends here, Terry, uh, who do you have with a favorable schedule? Tight ends with favorable schedules. I think I went with Dallas Goddard's. Uh, Philly had the easiest schedule as we speak of. And having said that, um, when you look at the position battle down in Philly, it was between Zach Ertz and uh, Dallas last year. But having said that, with the injury of Zach Ertz and the rumor of, I believe, him going to the Cardinals before he got injured, I feel like Dallas Goddard is going to have an easy way with, uh, how should I say, the time on the field uh, down in Philly. Yeah, I know we talked about Goddard as someone that definitely will benefit um, from that. And I guess getting to you, Mete, who do you have there at tight end for a good schedule? My tight end is Mike Gesicki. He's got the fifth easiest schedule. Uh, caught 53 passes for 703 yards last season and six touchdowns. Um, for this pick, like I was talking about uh, last podcast, I always thought Gesicki was older than he was, but he's actually quite young, so I think he'll improve. And his quarterback, Tua, is heading into his second year, so I think he'll improve as well, which should help him for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, Everyone from that Miami offense will probably be looking to take a step forward. And uh, Nate, just getting to you, uh, which tight end do you have, uh, I guess, with a good schedule? Um, I think Kyle Pitts is going to, have a good schedule this year i mean the falcons just have a really good schedule in general um matt ryan is a pretty good uh quarterback and i think that's going to help kyle pitts and kyle pitts is one of the best rookie tight ends um this draft so i mean i feel like he might be able to kind of transfer a lot of his college skills and i think a favorable favorable schedule will help yeah, for sure. And uh, the tight end that I have with a favorable schedule is Noah Fant from the Denver Broncos. I was just taking a look at their schedule. Uh, they have, they're, they're facing a lot of teams that have decent run defenses, some of them, but most of the pass defenses are quite weak. Um, I know that uh, the Jets passing defense kind of weak, Raiders, Cowboys, uh, Washington football team is is not a top 10 passing defense. Same with the Eagles, the Lions, I mean, the Bengals play the Raiders twice, the Chargers. I mean, there's just so many teams that Noah Fant can exploit. He just needs good quarterback play this year. And I mean, last year, Drew Locke was favoring him as the number one target there in Denver. So I guess if that trend continues, you can definitely see a breakout from Noah Fant heading into this season. And um, just moving into our last area uh, here, it's um, players with uh, not so favorable schedules. Uh, I'll start with you, uh, Nate, this time. Uh, getting to, a, I guess, a quarterback that you have with not-so-favorable schedule? Um, I guess I put uh, Russell Wilson. He might have kind of a rougher season than usual. Uh, I mean, the NFC West, This I think they're going to be the toughest division this year. Um, the Seahawks are good, but their current roster isn't, like, the best roster they've ever had. They've definitely had some deep playoff uh, runs and, like, some Super Bowl caliber rosters that I think are arguably better than the roster they have now. The Seahawks did make some upgrades in the draft. So hopefully it's not too big of an issue, but we'll have to see. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, Russell Wilson, I guess, consensus wise uh, has dropped out of the top five uh, quarterbacks heading into next season for fantasy, just because of, I guess, his overall schedule. Um, like you mentioned, uh, tough division and, and other factors there, maybe not having all of the weapons or especially the offensive line uh, in front of them, uh, in front of him. So uh, yeah, definitely uh, good reasons there. And uh, Mete, just getting to you, a quarterback that doesn't have a favorable schedule. The best schedule quarterback I went with was the Bears quarterback. And as we're speaking, it looks like it's going to be Dalton as the starter. Um, yeah, Dalton, he's solid, but the schedule's not working in his favor. And I'm thinking if you're drafting one of the three Bears quarterbacks, you're drafting them as a backup and you're in a deep league. So 
You can definitely use them against a favorable matchup, but it looks like most of their matchups are going to be tough, so be careful with them. Yeah, I just think that, uh, especially with the Bears' schedule and just uh, the way they're looking, uh, probably the only guy you could take a look at might be Justin Fields, and he'd probably be like a waiver wire pickup or something. Uh, you probably wouldn't be drafting him at all unless you're in like a, a dynasty league or, or a best ball, like a deep best ball league, something like that. Um, other than that, I guess um, Andy Dalton would also probably be a waiver wire play for as long as he's the starter of that team. And Terry, just getting to you, which quarterback do you have with a not so favorable schedule? The guy that just got traded this offseason, I had to go with Jared Goff. I mean, I believe the Lions had maybe a sixth toughest schedule, probably behind the Vikings, give or take. And I mean, the Lions are rebuilding right now. There are targets that you can send to TJ Hawkinson at tight end. But then after that, if you're looking to the wideout court, I mean, you got guys like uh, Tyrell Williams, former Raider. And then you also got, I believe, Rashad Perriman as well. If you're going to have to rely on those guys for your production, I mean, it's good. Uh, I don't know. When it comes to Jared Goff, you, you might have to leave him on the way for I can see it. Yeah, I think just him moving to a worse offense than he was in is already enough. And then you throw the schedule on top of that. Uh, yeah, I feel like he's going to be pretty much borderline undraftable as well. Um, unless you're in a super deep league and you need a backup, but even then you probably just better streaming at that point. Um, just looking at the quarterback I have, I took Aaron Rodgers, and this is assuming he stays in Green Bay. I mean, this schedule for Green Bay is really tough. I mean, they got teams like the the Saints, 49ers, Steelers, Bears twice, Washington football team, Cardinals, Chiefs, Vikings, Seahawks, Rams, Browns, Ravens. Like, this is just a crazy schedule uh, for the Packers. Aaron Rodgers is going to have to play at an MVP-like level if this team's going to even have a chance at making the playoffs. Um, and I, I know he's definitely not going to be at that top level exactly. So expect some regression from him, especially because of the schedule and, and just put that into perspective when you're drafting in fantasy, he's probably a low end QB one at best this year. Um, he's probably right there on the borderline between QB one and QB two between the, I'd say the 11 to 14th quarterback, just, just looking at his schedule and I guess, uh, the whole situation right now. And, um, just getting to running back, um, Nate, I'll, I'll get back to you on the one that doesn't have a favorable schedule. Um, I guess I decided to kind of uh, pick Joe Mixon. Um, Bengals have a pretty tough schedule as well. Um, AFC North is another very tough division with at least three teams that are playoff hopeful this year. Um, I'm kind of questioning the Bengals O-line still. i don't feel like they upgraded enough at the draft and a weaker O-line is just kind of bad for offense in general. So it'll probably limit Joe Mixon's production. Yeah. And I guess just that built in with his injury history and I guess the Bengals not uh, having the best offensive line, it just makes for a bad combination. And then you throw the schedule on top of that. Uh, it's going to be really tough to trust Joe Mixon this year for fantasy and uh, Mete, just getting to you, uh, which running back do you have with a not-so-favorable schedule? So for my running back, I picked Najee Harris, the rookie out of Alabama. Uh, he was a first-round pick, and there's a lot of hype around him right now. I saw this quote saying he's the type of running back you can give, like, 30 or 40 touches to in the game. Um, while I don't doubt his talent, it's just he has the hardest schedule going against him, so... It's going to be tough for the rookie. Yeah, I mean, Pittsburgh's offensive line wasn't even addressed in the draft also. I know, Nate, you were saying that you had a lot of questions about Pittsburgh's offensive line. And, uh, yeah, he might be getting the touches, so he'd be – I, he wouldn't be worth, a, I know some people are taking him in the first round of fantasy drafts. That's just way too early, in my opinion. Maybe third or fourth round at best, but uh, he's just getting taken way too early. And when you build in that schedule uh, that he has and just the everything that's around him, it's definitely uh, not worth it. And uh, Terry, just getting to you, uh, which running back do you have there? Honestly, I had uh, Gus Edwards. I mean, the Baltimore Ravens have the second toughest schedule in the NFL this upcoming year. And having said that, you go back to last year's fantasy season and 
the running back position for Baltimore was just a headache. You had Justice Hill, you had Gus Edwards, and then you also had J.K. Dobbins, all those. And I believe Mark Ingram as well before he got injured. And having said that, that's not even including Lamar Jackson. So honestly, you could draft Gus Edwards with your flex option, but I highly doubt he's going to have an impactful year as a Baltimore Raven running back. Yeah, for sure. Um, it's going to be tough. I know uh, J.K. Dobbins was getting more of the touches near the end of the year, so that also goes against Gus Edwards. And, yeah, that whole division is going to have a tough schedule. I definitely see where you're coming from. Uh, for my running back with a, a bad schedule, I have uh, DeAndre Swift. And, I mean, uh, we were just looking at Detroit's schedule. Uh, there's a lot of teams here that have tough run defenses. I mean, they start off playing the 49ers. And you keep going in their schedule. Ravens, Bears, uh, Rams, Eagles have a pretty decent run defense. Steelers, Browns, Bears again, Broncos, Cardinals, Seahawks. I mean, like, it's just so tough this year for Detroit. Oh, I know I heard Jared Goff uh, for one of you guys. Now I'm saying DeAndre Swift. There's just not a lot of offense coming from this team just by looking at the schedule. So I think taking any Lions player this year in fantasy is going to be tough. Uh, but Nate, let me get to you on the wide receiver with a not-so-favorable schedule. Well, I guess I have uh, two wide receivers, um, a Bears one and a Browns a Browns one. Um, I th- I'll start with Allen Robinson. Um, Chicago... I feel like there may be like a few pieces from a playoff run. They added Andy Dalton, but as I don't think he's going to be enough. I don't want to say he's like bad or anything. It's just that they, they did. I don't feel like the bears kind of found the right quarterback for Allen Robinson. Um, So that might cap Robinson's production. And I guess for um, Odell, there's a kind of a lot of pressure, I guess, coming uh, to Odell. I guess he kind of has a reputation of being kind of like a diva. He's never really matched his um, production from his earlier seasons, um, at least in terms of fantasy. Um, when he comes back, um, when the season starts, there's probably going to be a lot of double double coverage on him. So he might be in a situation where um, he has really good impact, but fantasy-wise, he might be hurt. Yeah, definitely. I feel like if the Bears do go with Justin Fields, I guess there is potential, but it's pretty much untapped potential at this point. So Allen Robinson is going to pretty much have to do what he's done his whole career and sort of just play off of whichever quarterback he has. And then for Odell, yeah, the Browns do have a very tough schedule. So that definitely uh, adds on top of that. And Mete, just getting to you for your wide receiver with a not-so-favorable schedule. My wide receiver I picked was Devontae Adams. He's got the fourth hardest schedule, and I'm assuming that Aaron Rodgers will be leaving the Green Bay Packers. If he stays, uh, I don't think I'd go with him, but still there's some concern for him because last season he had 18 touchdowns, and I don't think he'll be able to replicate that. Yeah, definitely going to be tough, especially with that schedule. And uh, Terry, getting to you, uh, which wide receiver do you have there? Yeah, I'm wrong on this one, but I got to go with Cincinnati Bengals wide out T. Higgins. I mean, last year, everyone was caught off guard with T. Higgins' production in fantasy. But this year, teams are going to have more film on him. I mean, there's two more. Op- well, there is another option in Jamar Chase, who just came out of, I believe, Louisiana. And having said that, Burrow and Chase had that connection in college, and I feel like more and more you're going to see those connections between that quarterback and wideout across the NFL. Um, I believe there's one in Philly. Uh, what's his name? Fields and um, uh, Smith from Alabama. Oh, I think Smith Smith and Hurts, yeah. Smith and Hurts, my bad. I always say Fields for some reason. But anyways, uh, back to Higgins. A lot more film on him. Uh, there's another talented wideout coming to take a couple of his uh, production. And that's all I got to say with Higgins. Actually, uh, Terry, let me get your opinion on this. Uh, between uh, Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd, um, what what's the order, in your opinion, of uh, fantasy production for this coming year? It's kind of tough because Burrow always – last year between with Burrow's 
uh, Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins, he managed to make it even. I believe Higgins had probably around 900 yards and a TD or nine. Uh, Jesus, I'm off today. Six TDs. And then with Tyler Boyd, I believe he had probably around four or five TDs with like 850 yards. Um, if Higgins does get covered exponentially a lot in the uh, first half of the season, I feel like Chase and Boyd might become one and two. But then eventually once Chase becomes more of a relevant wideout, it's going to be back to maybe Boyd, Higgins, and then Chase. With Cincinnati, like there's a lot of uh, holes that you have to look at through this team. The O-line looks horrible half of the time. And then with the wideouts, it's literally whoever Burrow has a chance to throw to before he gets sacked for the 9 millionth time in the game. I mean, it could be one, two, three, Higgins, Chase, and then, you know, Boyd, and then another night it could be the opposite. It's too hard to predict down in Cincinnati. But just to finalize what I have to say, all three of them look fantasy relevant this year. Yeah, for sure. I think at the start of the year, if the offensive line isn't solid, uh, definitely Tyler Boyd could end up being that number one, like you were saying, um, because, you know, short, quick passes is the the, the route they're pretty much going to have to go. And uh, yeah, Jamar Chase, I definitely favor him over T Higgins just a little bit because of like previous chemistry. And I guess just the overall talent level of Jamar Chase, like especially the untapped potential. We saw what happened with Justin Jefferson this past year. I mean, they went to the same school and they said that Chase was the better wideout. So, I mean, uh, if, if he translates that to the NFL, he's going to be a star uh, in the league. So uh, definitely something to look out for. And then I guess just a, a wide receiver I didn't think had a very favorable schedule. It's going to be Juju Smith-Schuster from the Pittsburgh Steelers. I know we talked about Pittsburgh not having the most favorable schedule. Um, just add the fact that uh, they didn't address their O-line as much as they should have. Um, there's plenty of other receivers there. Uh, Deontay Johnson, James Washington, uh, Chase Claypool. It's going to be tough for Juju to get all the all of these targets. Definitely add Najee Harris in there for targets because they drafted him in the first round. They're going to get him the ball. There's no question about that. So I feel like uh, Juju might be on the back burner there in terms of the Pittsburgh offense. Uh, just dial in that tough schedule on top of that. And it's just going to be really tough for him this year. Um, and then, uh, Nate, just getting to you uh, for tight ends, uh, who's the tight end you have with a not favorable schedule? So I guess I'll talk about, um, I guess, uh, a Brown's tight end and another tight end as well. Um, I'll start with TJ Hawkinson. Um, I guess we already know about Detroit. They have a really tough schedule. They moved on from Stafford and as good as he is, I think that Stafford is better and we'll probably see that this season. So Goff has really big shoes to fill and it's probably going to, I guess, make Hawkinson's production a dip, especially with how many good teams that Detroit has to play. And I guess for um, Austin Hooper, for him, it's just mostly, um, will he be fully healthy over the course of the entire season? Because he wasn't fully healthy for the course of the entire season. Um, last season, um, tight I guess tight end is a pretty tough position in general, but he is a really good tight end. So we'll have to kind of see if he pl plays to his full potential. Yeah, for sure. And um, just looking at the Lions overall schedule, it's, it's pretty unfavorable. We listed players from different positions on that team. It's just going to be really tough for them to, I guess, produce as a whole. And Amete, getting to you, uh, who's the tight end you see with a not so favorable schedule? And then I went with was another Packer. Uh, I went with Robert Tanyan. He's got the fourth hardest schedule, just like Devontae Adams. And like I was saying, the Rodgers situation looks very iffy right now with him not even showing up to camp. Uh, yeah, last season he had 11 touchdowns. And like Adams, I'm saying that's going to be hard for him to replicate it. And with the departure of a Hall of Fame quarterback, that's definitely going to knock his uh, potential for sure. Yeah, definitely. Uh, just looking at the schedule, it's not favorable for the Packers. And I guess just advising uh, everyone listening to the podcast, I think it's too early to be drafting right now. We don't know the futures of some of the players. I mean, if you take Aaron Rodgers as your starting quarterback and then he, for some reason he sits out, uh, Deshaun Watson would be the same way. And then if you take Adams as your first wide receiver and then Rodgers leaves, you know, then you're kind of stuck with a unknown quarterback throwing him the ball. 
Uh, it's, I guess, just best to wait in the, the last couple months before the season, before you're even drafting. And um, Terry, I'll just get to you on, I guess, a tight end. Uh, you think that uh, really doesn't have a favorable schedule. Uh, Pittsburgh's, yeah. Pittsburgh's deal is Eric Ebron. Um, Ebron had a decent year last year. I believe he had probably around, uh, how much was it? 550 yards. And then on top of that, he had probably five touchdowns. And this offseason, I believe they just drafted a tight end in the second round. Having said that, we all have to remember in the NFL, it's a young man's game. And with Eric Ebron, I believe earning around $8 million this upcoming year, he might slowly get faded out of the uh, offense for this young guy that got drafted in the second round. And that's honestly my take on uh, Eric Ebron. Yeah, for sure. I, I guess uh, we've been bringing up Pittsburgh a lot also as just a team. I mean, they have the hardest schedule this coming year, and it's just going to be really tough, uh, I guess, for fantasy production overall from them. But uh, for a tight end, I have Darren Waller, and I, I think the Raiders have a really tough schedule this coming season. They're facing a lot of good defenses. I mean, uh, they're facing what Ravens, Steelers, Dolphins, even Chargers are pretty decent. You got Bears. Broncos, I mean, uh, Chiefs are there, um, Washington, Chiefs, they face twice, Broncos is twice, they face Colts, Browns, it's just going to be so tough, um, especially um, for a guy like Darren Waller, he's going to be double teamed, triple teamed half the time, uh, I mean, this guy is the focal point of their offense, I wouldn't say stay away from him in fantasy, but just lower your expectations, maybe take a guy like Mark Andrews over him. If you like him better, something like that. Uh, just, I, I think just dial back your expectations is sort of what I'm trying to say for Darren Waller because of his schedule. And um, yeah, I think that pretty much wraps up uh, what we have. Uh, we talked about players um, in uh, going into contract years, as well as players with favorable and not favorable schedules. So uh, that's going to be the end of fanatics football uh, make sure you check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Fan Fan Podcast. We're always posting pics there, other content. Definitely check us out. Uh, and then for the podcast on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, like, subscribe, share, uh, click the bell for notifications, leave us reviews, all that good stuff. And thanks again, guys, uh, for doing this episode. And we'll talk to you guys on the next episode.